everybody. Welcome to the turf, the silver and black turf here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, alongside my partner, Scott Winter. And we have a jam-packed show for y'all today. We're going to get into the stadium upgrades, Vegas style. As you all know, the brand new stadium is coming closer and closer to opening, so we'll get into that, what the perks are for that, as well as the Raiders get a blast of Richie Incognito. Have a lot to talk about with this subject. And should the Raiders be about that hard not life? All that and more are coming up here on the turf, the silver and black turf. What's going on, Scott? How you doing, man? Oh, you know how it is. Another day in paradise covering the Raiders. Gotta love it. Absolutely. So I know you, you're in, you're heavily in tune with all the stadium upgrades and the behind the scenes of what's going on with the stadium. So give us a little insight of what's been happening. What are some of the upgrades? What can Raider Nation look forward to when they move to the 702 with that brand new billion dollar playpen in Vegas? Okay, first things first, they just had a stadium authority meeting uh, a couple of days ago, you know, last week. The uh, project is still um, on time and under budget. The uh, they did have some delays when it came to getting their fabricated steel. That was we we talked about that before. But what they did was they basically slid some things around and worked on other things to keep the project on time. And uh, they discussed that it at that meeting that it was a, a possibility that. Uh, some of the higher end electronics could be, uh, uh, delayed a little bit or cost a little bit more, but, uh, uh, they're working, uh, on, you know, staying on top of that and making sure everything gets done on time. So the big news is that the PSLs, of course, have been just selling like hotcakes and the luxury boxes, they, they basically run out of luxury boxes to sell. So. What they've decided to do, and this was a contingency that they that they've been talking about that I, I you know I heard about for you know since the beginning, uh, right. they're going to bring in some more field level club uh, uh, seats, and that's going to be on the north side in the end zone area, uh, and then they're going to bring in some more luxury boxes, going to be on the south side. On, on the 200 level, the uh, second deck up there. Nice. So they're going to add some more there. What that is now, understand this is for, for higher dollar, uh, people, you know, so, you know, PSLs expect these, you know, for the, for the, uh, club to be in line with club level PSLs, which went anywhere from 20,000 to 75,000. There is no price on them yet. That is just an estimate, you know, giving you an idea what the other ones went for. And of course, the luxury boxes. They went anywhere from like 150,000 to, uh, boy, a whole lot, you know, <laughs> depending on, uh, you know, who wants to get it. And that'd be on the, the, like I said, the south side end zone looking down the field. So that's exciting. What that tells you is, is that they are selling these things. They're selling them out better than Atlanta sold because Atlanta didn't sell all of its club level until almost kickoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and all of the higher end sold just like lickety split. So. They've basically covered more uh, with their already, they've already over covered their PSL prices. They, they were supposed to pitch in about 300 million. That was their target. And they used the Bank of America loan to fund that uh, because that's a, that's was funded was one of the first things that's been funded. And according to the authority meeting, it's almost like, it's like almost like hundred percent funded. 
What that does, though, is it cuts into that Bank of America loan because all the PSLs minus about 15, 20 percent for uh, sales costs and you know commissions and stuff like that. You don't, you know, and uh, if you paid for your PSL up front, you got 6 percent off the cost. So uh, 6 percent off 20,000, you know, it's, it's, that's a good chunk of change. It could save you some right. money. So basically, they're getting more of that money. They're going to get more of that high end money. Uh, if, and we don't know what the seat count will be. It'd be like 200 or 500. We know the luxury box count's going to be small, maybe, maybe 10, uh, maybe 15, well, maybe was, five. Well, I heard they're adding about 20 additional suites. 20 additional um, suites. Yeah. It, it, there's not a lot of room, but like I said, it, 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 this is one of those things where if somebody comes in and say they want a double suite, they're going to make, they're going to have 19 suites, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, it just depends because right now they haven't actually built it. So uh, they can tailor them a little bit, you know, in this, in the, you got a short window there for something like that because they haven't actually done the inside structure on it. But yeah, they're, that's what they're planning. Well, here's the interesting part about it. Um, The interesting part about them adding the 20 seats or additional suites, I should say, is the fact that they're trying to make a strong pitch uh, to the Super Bowl committee to be able to host the Super Bowl. And then it's interesting because, uh, the Raiders president, Mark Medane, said, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing. It's all good for the Super Bowl. I mean, the more suites you have, the better opportunity you would have to bid for a Super Bowl. And we want to be responsive to the NFL as we are working on the bid for the 2025 Super Bowl, end quote, which is absolutely a kind of situation that you need to, to jump on immediately because you don't want to wait around. You know there are other cities competing to host a Super Bowl, and you have a brand-new state-of-the-art stadium along with the one that's here in Los Angeles, you mentioned the one in Atlanta. Um, so you want to make sure that you have every adequate ch- uh, box checked off in order for you to make sure that uh, you're, in co- you're in competition and you can able to compete to host a Super Bowl. Because hosting a Super Bowl is not easy at all. I mean, cities go years, sometimes decades without hosting a Super Bowl. So, you know, hats off to the Raider organization for being proactive as far as adding these suites to try to put themselves in contention. And let's not forget too, like you said earlier, you, uh, you, you, you cut into a chunk of that, that bank of America loan, but let's not forget this either. They have yet to get naming rights to this brand new stadium, which is going to be probably somewhere in the hundreds of millions of dollars, if not almost a billion dollars. So this is something for the Raiders that they're not going to lose. This is a huge gamble that they took. They're not going to lose on this gamble. If anything, they're going to make money back off of this and be able to not only pay off that loan, but make sure they have money stored up for other projects and and whatnot. So this is great um, for the Raiders. This is a great opportunity for the Raiders and their brand-new stadium. I'm excited to be there, man. I'm excited for next season, man, when they move over to the 702 and be able to really check out that stadium and really look at – what they have to offer, man, because that's going to be outstanding. I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I, I looked at seat presentations, you know, just like in Los Angeles, they have the virtual mm-hmm. seat. We can see right. what you're going to be looking at from your seat. There's not a bad seat in that stadium. I mean, you can go 300 level, you can go 200 level, it go 100 level, it doesn't matter. They're, they're, every seat has a fantastic view of the field. There's no obstructions. Um, and uh, the, the really cool thing about this is, okay, while they haven't, uh, said anything about actual naming rights. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, over 20 million a year, 
in that neighborhood. But they, uh, Mark Bedain did touch on the fact that they do have quite a few sponsors besides Cox and uh, Caesars Entertainment, which are publicly already, you know, going to be uh, sponsors. There are quite a few that are already on board, but they haven't uh, declared them yet because, you know, it, Mark Bedain said, quote, unquote, that will be up to them when they decide to uh, uh, list themselves and come out and have that, you know, they're going to do it on their their way, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to look at it like this, too. Like you said, it's 20, 20 million. It could be 25 million per depending on how long they decide to have naming rights. Sometimes it's 10 years, sometimes it's 20 years, depending on the deals that they work out in sports. And that's the beauty of it. So like I said, with the, with the Raiders being able to have that type of flexibility where you don't even have, you haven't even sat down for the naming rights yet, which we all know that's the cash cow right there. Naming rights for stadiums and arenas is the cash cow for any organization. So again, hats off uh, to the Raiders and what they're doing. And I, like, like I said, I'm excited. To be able to to sit down in that stadium and watch a Raider game and to watch these guys, you know, go up and down the field in a brand new state of the art stadium in Vegas, adding to the, the sports metropolis that Vegas is. But speaking about of adding to a metropolis, Richie Incognito. Now, the one thing about Richie Incognito, let me say this because I know when I tweeted this out when he first got signed this week, there were a couple people that said, "Oh man, here comes the haterade." Oh, here comes the Raider hater. Let me explain something to you people out there, some of you, because I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are very intelligent. They're very solid through and through Raider fans, and we appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. But let me explain something to some of you people out there that can't comprehend the fact I am not a Raider fan. I am a person that covers the Raiders. I follow the Raiders. I would like the Raiders to do well. However, I have a job to do. It is called being objective. My job is to give you both sides of the coin and let you decide which side of the coin you're going to rest on. Heads or tails. That is my job. I am not here to sit up here and cape up for the Raiders. Although, I want the Raiders to do well. Because when they do well, it's always a good thing to see a team that you cover do well. Case in point, Richie Incognito. Now, we all know I am not a fan of Richie Incognito at all. Let's go down the list of Richie Incognito. This is the same Richie Incognito that got thrown out of Nebraska and Oregon. Or let me say this, he left before he got thrown out of those universities. This is the same guy who used racial slurs against his own teammates, trainers, and other opponents and thought it was okay. This is the same Richie Incognito who threatened to shoot employees at a funeral home in 2018. This is the same guy that carried two guns and a rifle at that location. We all know he's been battling some mental issues, which is no laughing matter. I'm not here to make a joke about that. So I don't trust Richie Incognito off the field. However, if Richie Incognito, who can play football, can fill a much-needed left guard spot on the Raiders' O-line, then so be it. In 2017, with the Buffalo Bills, Incognito only allowed two sacks, which is absolutely amazing. But in the last two years with Buffalo, he ranked in the top 10 of blocking guards. So, if the Raiders feel like they need something, which we all, we, Scott and I have talked about this extensively, how the Raiders need to beef up their O-line if they're going to have any point of success 
this coming season to allow quarterback Derek Carr to get the ball off and find his targets to keep the chains moving, you're going to need to fix that O-line. So if Richie Incognito can fill that O-line, they sign him to a one-year deal. And you know what was interesting about this signing? Let's take a let's take a quick listen to what the president, whom I like to call El Presidente, or everyone's <laughs> favorite, everyone's favorite president, listen to what he had to say as it pertains to the signing of Richie Incognito. Let's play that clip. No, it's a it's a fair question. You know, we I've talked a lot about foundation. John and I both talked a lot about found, foundation. I think we reinforced that with our draft. And I think at the end of the day, um, you can't have all Boy Scouts. And, and what you have to do is you have to do your homework on each individual case. And we've done our homework. We've talked to an awful lot of people. We brought him in. We talked to Richie. We told Richie what we'd expect both on and off the field. And, and we expect him to adhere to that. And uh, we're going to meet with our uh, player engagement people after practice. We've got our clinician coming in tomorrow, and I'm not going to go into any more of that other than to say the infrastructure will be here for him to use. Okay, so Mike Mayock basically said that he can't have a bunch of Boy Scouts, that you guys did your homework, and this is the kind of guy you want to bring in. Okay, let's break down those comments for a second. I like Mike Mayock. I think Mike Mayock knows the game of football better than most. I think Mike Mayock can serve as a good president as we go along. We all know that what his role is with Gruden. That's why Gruden brought him in, because he is a media type of guy. But when you did your homework, the things that I listed earlier, did those come into play? And if they did, did you think uh, give a second thought to maybe why, maybe we shouldn't sign this guy? Because there are other guys that you could have signed behind, behind Richie Incognito. So my question is, Scott, what is the plan for the Raiders? Because when you look at what the Raiders said initially, when they, made, when they went to the draft, they said, we want to draft high-character guys. We want to make sure that we're going to not overpay for guys. We're not going to spend enormous amounts of money. We're going to throw money at the quarterback. We're going to, we're going to get, we're going to draft well. And then, of course, you have to pay money for Antonio Brown. No problems there. I have no quarrels for me on that. But then you go get Vontez Burfick. This is the same Vontez Burfick that tried to knock off Antonio Brown's head and tried to end his career when he was in Cincinnati and Antonio Brown was in Pittsburgh. This is the same Vontez Burfick that's had a history of issues with other players. Now you bring in a guy like Richie Incognito who also has issues. So what is the plan that the Raiders are going to do? Because to me, if I'm looking on the outside looking in, I'm saying to myself, do the Raiders really seriously have a plan? And if so, what the hell is it? I would take a look at who they went after with their high character, the high character guys, the guys that they paid money, the guys that they invested draft capital in. And those are guys that you're going to want. Those are young men or veterans that are going to be the core of your team. You got a guy like, uh, for example, uh, you know, uh, you got Rodney Hudson, who was a who's who's on, you know, uh, been there for now four years. Uh, high character, workaholic, uh, one of the best centers in the game. You know, that's the kind of person that you want to have as your high character guy. Uh, somebody who's going to be with the franchise more than one year, because Vontez Burfick's on a prove it deal. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, is on a one year deal. Right. In, same, incognito, same incognito, Incognito's right. on a one year deal. Uh, I'm not that. That doesn't mean that. That, that excuses it, uh, but it does at least show you that their high-character guys are, are getting multi-year deals, whether it's a rookie deal, 
whether it's they're getting paid, you know, like a Trent Brown or an Antonio, you know, Brown, uh, they're getting paid the big money. But let's uh, look you're, at you know, Lamarcus Joyner, you're, you know, high character guy, work hard. That's who's getting the big money. So you bring in some, sometimes you bring in, uh, some guys that are a little bit edgy, uh, like a perfect, uh, like a, like a Richie incognito, uh, you know, and you don't know which way it's going to go. It's like, it's like if you watch that show, Game of Thrones, the Targaryen, they flip a coin. You know, they could go, they go crazy, they could burn up the whole city. But uh, sometimes crazy works in your, in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. Ask Barrett Robert. But this but, is uh, beyond so, you know, crazy. Then. But this is, but Scott, you know, this is beyond crazy. This is something that is concerning off the field because you got Vontez Burfick, you have Richie, now Richie Incognito. And as you alluded to earlier, you have all these high, these other high character young guys and veterans. So my, like I said, to, to my point earlier, what is the direction that the Raiders are doing? Because to me, I don't think they have a solid trajectory on where they want to go. I think they're just trying to sign guys that they feel like you said earlier. They feel like they need, they need an edge to them. They need some, they need some toughness to them. And I'm, I'm all for toughness. It's football for God's sake. You're going to need toughness. You're going to need guys who can get after the ball. You're going to need guys who, who are going to be able to have that, that, that mean streak in them. But you got, my concern is these guys that I mentioned don't know how to, these guys are habitual line steppers. Let me put it that way. Right. They no, that's a perfect, that's a perfect, that's a perfect thing to say. They're habitual line crossers. So it's now up to the hundred million dollar coach. To, is he going to allow that to happen? Or what is he going to do when that happens? If that happens, I'll leave it out there. Some, I mean, they might come in and, you know, there won't be any issues like that. But if there is, uh, how is it going to be handled? It'll be something to pay attention to. Because, like I said in a tweet before, this could be a fantastic signing. It could be, he could be, everything could work out. The, line, the stars could line up. He could find the fountain of youth. He could be the mauler. He could be the, you know, the guy that's so crazy. He could get up there mumbling at the line and just scare somebody to death. You know, Rob, man, I, you know, you don't want to run about, you know, that dude is punching himself in the face. I don't know if I, uh, I don't know about that guy. So it, it, it could work out that way or it could be very embarrassing. It could be, um, you know, things could happen if they don't nip it in the bud. If something were to, were to happen between perfect or, 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 uh, a, uh, uh, incognito or Tom Cable for that matter, you know, he has Whoa. history too. But I, I, what yeah. I'm saying is, though, is that it could be, it could go bad, and it's how they handle it. Uh, if they're going to do do, obviously the people in that building trust that they'll be able to handle it if something happens. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't bring this person in. Now, I'm not I, saying I, that they're perfect, but you know, listen, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it ain't no damn mongoose. And these guys have had a history of what they have done prior to coming to the Raiders. It ain't going to stop now. These guys are set in their ways. You're going to, I'm just waiting to see what pops off during mini camp and training camp. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be a situation where I, I, I can see Vontez Burfick and Richie Incognito getting into it. That's all I'm waiting on. To be honest with you, that's all I'm waiting on. Cause it's going to happen at some point. Hopefully it doesn't. But at some point, it's gonna happen because these guys are too lit at the at the end of their. Uh, these guys are two pieces of dynamite that are already lit. 
and one of them is going to go off before the other. Just wondering which one is going to go off first. And that's why I say I don't I don't agree with this signing. I think they I think the Raiders could have gone better or done, done a better job of finding somebody else. I mean, there's a list. There's other there's other reasons why, and I'm not going to get too deep into them because it's not apropos to what we're saying for this podcast. But I will say this much: it's often interesting how certain guys get opportunities after screwing up multiple times off the field but you have guys that have never screwed up off the field they can't even buy their way into a stadium to get a look seat or to get an opportunity to compete for a particular position i'll just leave it at that but when i look at vontez perfect when i look at richie incognito this has hard knocks written all over now i know absolutely and that's a great segue we're gonna talk about next Welcome back to the turf, the silver and black turf here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, alongside Scott Winter. Before the break, we talked about this Raider team signing Richie Incognito, pairing them up also on the same team, I should say, as Vontez Burfick and countless others. These signings have hard knocks written all over it. And I know, Scott, now, are you a proponent of, of hard knocks? It, to me, honestly, you know, the, there's two sides of this. You know, uh, you know, well, what, what side are you on? I, I, I think, I think this is this has hard knocks written all over. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I understand the point where you know you got a team that doesn't want to give away secrets, and you know that every GM and every coach is going to be watching to see what they can pick up, like they did with Cleveland last year. But you know what, Cleveland won once they got rid of Huey. They started winning, so it didn't really <laughs> affect them one way or the other. I, I find it really interesting that both now uh uh detroit and washington has come out and said that uh oakland would be a fantastic candidate <laughs> you know uh you know his own brother throwing him under the bus like that you know jay gruden just just uh just today said hey you know i'm just saying <laughs> i think oakland would be a fantastic look at they got vontez Burbank and richard just what you just said they would be a great show i believe that You've got Mike Mayock, you know, first year GM. You've got uh, John Gruden, second year GM. You've got all of these characters um, and characters. Uh, you've got uh, Clapback Carr coming back and, and really stepping up and asserting himself with the team. You've got Antonio Brown, who, in my opinion, will shine on a show like this because you're going to see his work ethic. You're going to see people don't know who he is, and a lot of Raider Nation don't know who he is. As for they see what they see the man on the field, but they don't know who he is. And there's a lot of guys on this team, a lot of young men don't know who they are. And I think it would be a fantastic opportunity to show them. And I think that this is the last time this team is going to be Oakland as far as I'm alive. I think it would be a fitting tribute to Oakland. Now, Mark Davis, you know, once we'll go kicking and screaming, he's already said that he don't even want anything to do with it, according to Paul Gutierrez, who who did an interview a couple months ago with him. You know what? I tend to agree with Mark Davis. Even though this has the makings of a of a of a hard knocks episode or series, I think that hard knocks right now would be a detriment and it would be a mistake. Because here's the thing, and I even talked about our I talked about this with our guy Joe Arrigo. And the thing about hard knocks is this: I would rather the the Raiders have hard knocks in 2020. The reason why is this: you in a brand new city in Las Vegas. Every negative stereotype that could be thought about when it comes to the Raiders moving is going to be thrown at them. People are going to cast aspersions upon them and their players. You got a brand new city. 
You have a brand new team that's coming to this city with a brand new stadium. You, you're already ingrained in into a sports metropolis because you have the, the Vegas Golden Knights. You have the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA. And potentially in a, in a few years, you may even have an NBA franchise coming in. But it now puts pressure on the Raiders to see if they can succeed in their new digs. Will Derek Carr remain the quarterback of the Oakland slash Vegas Raiders when they move to Vegas? There's a lot of scenarios, and especially being in Vegas with the NFL, with the NFL draft being there next year, you're going to have a brand new team. I would rather see them in Vegas in their first year as they transfer from Oakland and all that history that you named with, with them being in Oakland and, and at times being in Los Angeles to now firmly being planted in the 702. That's what I want to see. To me, these are the kind of, these are the kind of stories that I want to see. I think they make a better opportunity for the Raiders. I think it's better publicity for the Raiders coming into a new, uh, city in a new state in a new arena, uh, stadium, rather. And I think it's going to work out much better than it would work out this year, even though the signings that, that Mike Mayock and John Gruden are doing continues to, to, to rev up the appetites for people that want to watch Hard Knocks. But I'm more a proponent of 2020. If they're going to do Hard Knocks, let's go for 2020. Obviously, if they, ha if they make the playoffs, they take themselves out of contention. Uh, so that's a gamble that you have to take there. But as I said before, I'm not sure they make the playoffs this year. I'm really not. When I look at when I look at the division, when I look at the the Kansas City Chiefs, when I look at the Los Angeles Chargers, I don't see the Raiders. You know, I don't see where the Raiders fit in against those two teams. I don't think that. Do you think that they're better than those two teams? Because I surely don't. Well, I don't think it's uh, going to be their choice to be on hard knock. They wouldn't want. They, they don't want to be on hard knock no matter where they're at. I mean, that's that. They're not going. Nobody's going to volunteer for this. It's all up to HBO, what HBO decides. And these teams cannot dispute it because it's part of their contract. So if they did, if they did it next year, uh, they would be doing it mostly from Reno. <laughs> they wouldn't be in a 702. It'd be where training camp's going to be. And that'd be in Reno. I mean, now yeah, they get their new digs when they get, when they break camp and come back south, they're going to be in Henderson. They'll get there. You'll see the new digs there and be a state of the art facility, but you won't be seeing them working out in the stadium because stadium, you know, is not scheduled well, but, but to be finished till till just about hard knocks is over. Yeah, but you'll still be able to see the stadium. You, you'll see what the stadium is shaping up into, and you'll see you get a chance. I'm sure hard knocks will be able to go into Vegas and get the fan perspective as well, because you're going to have fans there at training camp already. So you're going to get you're going to see you get you you'll have a, a pretty much an idea of what the Vegas sports fan will be like at that time, because they're going to be diehard Raiders. Or is it going to be just lackluster? And you'll be able to see it. I mean, we've we've seen it before. I mean, and Hard Knocks has the ability to be creative as well. That yes, they're going to look at training camp. Yes, they're going to look at the the facilities in Reno or or Henderson or wherever it's going to be. But also too, you're not going to you can't tell me they're not going to have an opportunity to pass up that two billion dollar stadium that is sitting right off Interstate 15, where they're going to play their home games anyway. HBO is much smarter than that. Not, I, I'll tell you this. If, if you're, if you're from looking at it from, from a Raiders perspective and you're looking at it, you're, you're saying, you know, and a lot of people are saying this, that there's no way that it's, you know, pretty much no way that this is a playoff team this year. So the distraction wouldn't really affect the season then, would it? It wouldn't create 
it wouldn't cause them not to make playoffs since they're probably not going to make playoffs anyways per a lot of people. But the next season, you think that they have a better chance to make the playoffs. They'll have bet their talent will have grown in the set. other. Then that distraction could cause them to miss the playoffs. You know, it could cause them to, to give up trade secrets and stuff like that for the season uh, of that upcoming season. What would be more detrimental to the Raiders as a, as a franchise or, or success uh, would be, you know, them on the cusp of breaking out as opposed to being a year away, in my opinion. I think, I think it's a little overhyped. I think if you're on hard knocks, it's great publicity. You get free publicity. You get a chance for people to really understand your team, understand your franchise. And let's be clear. What NFL team doesn't want free publicity in this day and age? Sometimes you can't buy that kind of publicity that you can provide from Hard Knocks because guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about the last episode of Hard Knocks, especially if it's one where it's jam-packed, it's action-packed, it's full of drama, you know, and, and all things in between. Like you mentioned earlier about the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Browns being on Hard Knocks and how we saw Hugh Jackson get into it with some of his coaching staff. There was drama. There was things that were, that were that were talked about, and it's free publicity. So if you're the, you're if you're the Raiders, why wouldn't you do hard knocks at some point? It's free publicity. It's a great opportunity for people to see what your team is really about. It's a great opportunity for people to say, "Well, damn, I was wrong about John Gruden," or "Damn, I was right about John Gruden." Either way, you're still going to watch John Gruden do what he has to do. You're still going to pay attention to Mike Mayer. You're still going to pay attention to Derek Carr. You're still going to pay attention to Antonio Brown because these guys are must-see TV. Oh, I understand where you're coming from, but in the history of hard knocks, ain't no one team volunteered for it ever because anybody can volunteer for it. And sure. the Patriots could volunteer for it if they wanted to. Sure, but I mean, I'm you could volunteer, the... but nobody yeah, wants sure. to volunteer for it. Nobody wants that. They, they just don't. It, I get it. They but just I mean, don't. if you're the Raiders, it, it makes it makes the best sense if you're the Raiders, though, moving into a brand new, a brand new city and a brand new town and a brand new stadium. I mean, it makes total sense if you get it. Like I said, it's free publicity, you know, and there's a lot of Raider. I mean, Raider Nation travels well regardless. I mean, Raider Nation is still thick here in, in Los Angeles. There'll be there'll be some there'll be some hurtful souls in the Bay Area that will not fully support the Raiders because they're mad and they're salty that they're leaving. But you'll still have some Bay Area support and Raider fans are across the nation as well. So Raider fans are a serious long-standing fan base that if the Raiders played in Timbuktu, you'll have a sellout of Raider fans every year, uh, excuse me, every week in Timbuktu if people have to fly over there to watch the Raiders play. That's how diehard the Raider fan base is. You know, I have a, lot, a tremendous amount of respect for the Raider Nation and for Raider fan base because they are loyal. Win, lose, or draw, they are diehards. They are there. And it's going to be amazing to see them in Vegas <laughs> a place that everybody thought it was a mistake for any team to go to of that caliber. And now the Raiders are defying the odds once again and creating their own path. Like the late great Al Davis did with the team when he was owning it and still alive and running the franchise. So going to be interesting. I mean, the other interesting part is that Scott, that I was out here in LA. Now, you know, I move and shake around here in LA and I had an opportunity to speak with one of the biggest Raider fans to me, the co king of Raider Nation. I consider Ice Cube one of the the the, the kings of Raider Nation, but I also consider oh, the yeah. other gentleman a co-king of Raider Nation. That's the one and only actor and comedian George Lopez. And I had a chance to catch up with George and kind of ask him about his thoughts on Raider Nation and what the Raiders can do in 2019 
And is he ready for that move in 2020? So let's take a listen. Raiders, final season in Oakland. How are they looking in your estimation as far as all the upgrades? Obviously, they got Antonio Brown, one of the biggest wide receivers in the game. Yeah. What do you think the Raiders do this year? Well, you know, last year, you know, as fans, you expect the Raiders to. I think, I mean, I think as a Raider fan, I, everybody thinks we're going to win the Super Bowl every year. I mean, you have to, even right. when you, they're not very good. But, but uh, they've gone through some really good players in the last five years. Uh, and hiring uh, Gruden back, you give them the year to get it together. Made a lot of changes, made a lot of pickups. Very smart in getting some guys. So they're, they're, the minds, the football minds, are working over there. And I think that we'll be uh, back to some uh, smash defense, moving offense, Raider football. All right. So that was the one and only George Lopez, actor and comedian. Uh, thank you so much, George, for uh, talking with us here on the Silver and Black. Turf podcast. Uh, appreciate it, man. Lovely insight, man. Great insight. George is one of those diehard Raider fans that is to the core, to the bone, Raider Nation through and through. I think I think his blood is even silver and black. That's how much he believes. It's possible. You know, he the Raiders, you know, man. <laughs> him and Ice funny Cube. Too. Him and Cube. Oh, he's hilarious, man. Oh, George man. Lopez. It's hard to keep a straight face around George Lopez, man, when he's not being serious because he is absolutely just hilarious. Very talented guy, and uh, Raider Nation is very uh, lucky to have him a part of the nation. Um, along, like I said, with guys like Ice Cube, uh, you know, uh, several other uh, you know big name entertainers that are Raider fans. So it's yeah, Tom good Hanks, to talk. yeah, exactly. Tom Hanks is a yeah. big Raider fan, big so it's Raider always fan. good. It's always good to when you get a chance to talk to celebrities about their favorite teams, man, and just let them let them rip, man. It's always great. Well, we just oh. want to be thankful. We're thankful that that uh, he took his time to to Absolutely. to do a small interview for our show, and that that's you know that that was that's an awesome get. Uh, I, I you know appreciate you going out and then doing that for our for our program, and appreciate uh, uh, Mr. Lopez taking the time to be on our program because you know um, that's 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 Raider Nation. That's what it's about. So just Absolutely. thank you, Mr. Lopez, for being on the show. Uniting the silver and black together. And thank you so much for everybody tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. Make sure you download, listen, spread the word. This podcast will, will continue to go on. Next week, we got a lot more to talk about when it comes to Raider Nation. We'll talk about what happens in OTAs as they get ready for minicamp, as well as at their transition from minicamp into training camp and what we can expect from that. All that and more coming up on the next episode of The Turf. Silver and black turf. It's time for us to bounce on up out of here. You know, I got things to do. Scott, you got things to do. We got to get off the turf, man. Let them let them clean the turf so we can be here next week, man. Thank you all so much for tuning in. For my right hand man, Scott Winter. I'm yours truly, Nick Hamilton, here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. You're tuned into the turf. We out, y'all. The players, slick talkers, and collar poppers, narcotics, and boss ballers, pit bulls, and the rock rollers, niggas with gold teeth, old schools on gold feet, killers and OGs, task posts and the police, Mac off the foothill, East 14 to Brandy Park, Brookfield, Plymouth, and Walnut Street. From the building seminary to the rolling 20s, with ghetto celebrities like Big Feet and Little D. You see the East Bay Dragons, it's the home of the Panthers, with niggas like tons of crack and feds catching on camera. Throw you in the slammer, it's the home of Show and Hammer.
Boss ball, I moved to Atlanta, niggas stole our grammar. That's my focus, that's my nephew, that's my weeples, that's my nizzle. Please believe me, go for cheesy off the hizzle, do your thizzle. When my niggas riding dope, big rentals, rock residential. Slay crack, pack pistols, every track I sizzle. Cause I'm a waiter, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Las Vegas. Cause I'm a player, a boss player. And if you with me, pop your collar, shake them haters. I'm a waiter, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Las Vegas. Cause I'm a player, boss player. And if you with me, pop your collar, shake them haters. I'm, I'm a raider. Just like my niggas before me. But I was a thief without the open face. Gold teeth and in gold was some fine ass Oakland Raiders. And too short was the first Oakland Raider on the set. Now, Blue Man was a Raider when he was fucking with that. And Astori X was a Raider when he was a water to stay. And Dangerous Dane was a Raider when he was calling hoes names. But I know, from the lake on Sundays to the 5 Now we to East Mott with the side show. But it's fun, and I'm famous, but I ain't trying to die, though. Niggas be going out in the game, but not I, If I have to go back to dope, I'm slinging for survival. Now, Pippy do, if you hoeing, then he pippin' you. Tried it for 30 days, I ain't lying, I ain't with it, dude. A babysitting job? Oh my God, that's a job. But I still wanna do it, cause it's 100% odd. Cause I'm a waiter, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Las Vegas. Cause I'm a player, a boss player. And if you make me pop your collar, shake them haters. I'm a waiter, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Las Vegas. Cause I'm a player, a boss player. And if you Hieroglyphics been rated since 93 till infinity Some underground shit that just shook the fucking industry And Humpty with his gone ass, a raider in his own right The whole D, you can't forget you amped on sight Now, Mystic, she the only female raider I know You the shit, baby girl, I'm just letting you know And last but not least Tupac Shakur, nigga, uh, rest in peace I'm from the city of dope, the town of the crack I'm from the city of pimps, the town of the Mac East Oakland, heat totin' Ebonics speech broken, keep joking. The loonies about to have the streets smoking. Down top, y'all keep smoking. Hey, we got the killer throwing eight Heron and kilos for days It's the city of the warriors, the home of the A's Where niggas get sideways, shoot out some highways, nigga East Oakland, bitch I'm a How we do it in the town. Crystal, Big Dank, that's the way we roll. Old school, sitting on 20s. It don't make no difference. Floating, doing it all. Ghetto nigga from the East of Mount Mall. <laughs> 